Welcome to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Our guest today is Jamie Ayers, the pre-IB and honors English teacher at Cape Coral High School. Jamie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sure. And uh, you're more than just an English teacher. You're also a published author. You've written several young adult novels, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I wanted to have you on because you also started the Cape Literacy Festival, or Cape Lit Fest for short, mm-hmm. at Cape Coral High School, and the fourth annual Lit Fest is coming up on April 17th at Cape High. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about uh, what the Cape Lit Fest is and, and how it got started? Sure. It actually got started because when I became a published author in 2013, I was invited to an author day at Veterans Park Academy, and I visited with sixth graders that day, and it was like the best day of my life. I had so much fun with them, but I didn't know if it was mutual. (laughs) And then about a month after the festival, I got all these letters from these students, and they were just like, your books changed my life. I never liked reading before until I met you, and you seem so cool, so I read your books, and now I'm reading all these other books, and can you recommend other books, and now I'm starting a book club. I mean, it just went on and on. And I was blown away, and I saw how powerful it is when students make a connection, a personal connection, with someone that they met who just happened to write a book, and so it just sparked this interest in actually reading my books because they thought, like, I was okay. And so um, the next year, I actually went to work at Golf Middle. Um, I had been an elementary school teacher previously at Calusa. And I started organizing um, author visits just based on my experience with that. So I did that the first year. And then the second year, Riverdale High School actually put on a literacy festival. And they invited me to participate as an author. And so I went to their day. And theirs was so much bigger than I had ever imagined for our author visit day um, at the middle school level. They had author panels. They had classroom visits still. They did an entire outdoor festival at the end of the day. Um, And they kept telling the authors, the students are so excited to meet you and get the book signed. And I just honestly really didn't believe them because it was a Friday afternoon. And I'm like, what kid wants to come out the last hour of school in the heat and wait in line like, to meet an author and Mm -hmm. get a book signed. Like, I'm like, those kids are going to be out. But truly, the whole time, I had this huge line of kids waiting to talk to me. They They were truly so excited. And they made the festival just so much fun that I really saw how it pumped up the students to get excited about reading. So I was like, this is amazing. So it was hard to have the same resources they did um, at a middle school level. Mm -hmm. I didn't have quite the community support, I don't know why, to prom- like to promote it for middle school. But once I moved to Cape High in 2016, I asked the principal, um, Dr. Spire at the time, if I could do a festival with it. And he said, absolutely. And so we made it, um, we kind of mimicked what Riverdale had done because mm-hmm. they had since let go of the festival. And so I'm like, well, I'll just kind of continue that tradition, but at Cape. And so, yeah, this is our fourth year doing it. We've experimented and tried different things every year to try to see what works best. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just a one day event that the, the students know about a few months ahead of time. And it targets our lower readers specifically with our grants. So I write grants, one is 
given from the foundation for Lee County Public Schools, it's $5,000. We got another one from Kiwanis Club of Cape Coral. And so we purchased books to give away for free to our lower readers. Um, and it's a book by one of the visiting authors. So hopefully it gets them pumped to read it because like I'm gonna meet this author. And even if they're not excited yet, like after the event, after they meet the author and mm -hmm. see how cool they are and form this personal connection with them, then they're motivated to read. Obviously, you know, helping their vocabulary, instilling in them hopefully a, a love of reading again, which just often falls to the wayside in high school. You know, they have so many programs in elementary school that rewards them for all these reading goals and that's kind of goes away a little bit in middle school and then pretty much all together in high school and so it's just trying to bring maybe it's because I have an elementary school background like trying to bring that excitement to the high school level. So I went to it last year and uh, like you said it's a one-day event um, it's like an all-day event right? right most of the day and mm -hmm. you've got you bring in a panel of published authors mm -hmm. and there's guest speakers and then the students can do a meet and greet with the authors out on the football field afterwards and mm -hmm. you know get their books signed by them them and ask them some questions right. um, and like you said you give away uh, books for free mm -hmm. and I think it's more than 500 books right right over 600 books we gave away this year wow. just kind of depends how much money we sure. get in yeah mm -hmm. um, so like you said you want students so you kind of target those lower readers mm -hmm. um, is it for every student at KPI though? Can they go? Mm -hmm. yeah. It is for every student. So we've experimented back and forth with last year we did just keynote speakers mm -hmm. and panels. Mm -hmm. But the feedback from the teachers was they liked the more personal, intimate setting with the authors in their rooms. So this year we're going back to author visits in the rooms. So um, every reading class and English class that day will get a visit from an author for about 20 minutes so they can meet them and ask some questions. And then even if you didn't have an English or reading class that day, out at the festival, which is the last hour of the day, anyone can go and meet the authors. And we try to encourage that through a scavenger hunt that has um, prizes associated with it, gift cards we have donated by community partners. And because this age can be socially awkward sometimes, like <laughs> meeting us, going up to a stranger and saying like, I really loved your book, you sure. know? So the scavenger hunt kind of gives them a purpose. Like, you know, if they didn't have the actual physical copy of the book for them to sign, because a lot of them have them on their Kindles and stuff, um, that they still have something to bring to the author and yeah. interact with. And so who are who are these authors that, that come to the festival? Are they local authors or are they from all over the place? So they're from all over Florida. They're people that I met through different author events since I'm an author myself. And I think the furthest one we have coming is from Tallahassee, Erica Cameron. Actually, Tichelle Combs used to live in Cape Coral, but she moved to Colorado. So she's coming the farthest oh, cool. away. But she kind of uses it um, as like a double thing because she's, still wants to visit her family and just just plans it around our festival time so that's really nice and they're they're mainly correct me if I'm wrong but the young adult novel yes. format authors mm -hmm. yeah and we try to get all different genres so like Erica Cameron's book this year is um, like a suspense um, to Shell Combs is fantasy about dragons um, Lucien Diver's book is um, a paranormal romance. Um, there's 
another book, It's My Life by Stacey Ramey, that is about a girl with super palsy. Um, there's another one, Start Here, by Trish Doller, who lives in Fort Myers, um, and her book is about losing a friend and trying to move on. Um, so yeah, we have all different various. Another one, um, Stephen Dos Santos, he's is a dystopian, so we try to do all different genres. And um, what, what is some feedback from students or teachers that you've gotten about the Lit Fest? Um, just that it does make the students excited about reading again, you know, that they come into class when they're doing stuff with the Literacy Festival book and they're excited about it. I've seen it from my point of view too. Um, last year I did book clubs with the Literacy Festival books. This year I just let them pick. They're not doing book clubs because it kind of limited it because I needed a certain number of students like for each club, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so they didn't have such a some of them had to take their second or third pick, so I wanted them just to have their first pick. So, because gotcha. that's really the point is, when you come into school, you know you're reading out of your textbooks or just whatever the teacher wants you to read in English. You're not getting to pick what you want to read, and so here's a chance. Like here's eight different books, very different genres, all written for teens specifically, and you get to pick which one you think you know would appeal to you the most. And so it's really fun for them. Like just reading a book for fun again, <laughs> like they used to all the time. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's all about a love of reading and mm -hmm. books, but it's also a lot, a lot of it has to do with um, a love of writing as mm -hmm. well. And I noticed when I was there, especially during the Q&A session with the author panel, that a lot of the students, uh, a lot of the questions they had were about writing, not necessarily mm -hmm. reading, you know, since you know, obviously they have authors at their disposal to, to pick their brains about the writing right. process. How important is that for students who are maybe interested in writing books themselves one day to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction with um, professional published authors? Right, for sure. Um, yeah, we have a lot of students who crave that creative outlet, mm -hmm. and we don't have like a creative writing class anymore at Cape High or anything, and so... Um, and we have Seahawks Eye where they can write for the newspaper, sure. but nothing that's um, really fictional, creative writing. Mm -hmm. And so this event for those kiddos is like really important to them because they have so many questions. So I know for me personally, I was a student at Golf Middle School and in sixth grade, two authors came to the school. I do not remember their names, but I remember I thought they were the coolest people on the planet and I got to ask some questions after and it made me want to write so much more. I already had an interest in reading and writing but um, they're part of why I became an author because I'm like these two guys are so cool and like they had their stuff published and got to go visit schools and like that's the dream and so for them just to see someone who's persevered because they are very clear with them that it's tough. publishing industry is um, very hard to get into. So you really have to persevere. So it's also hopefully inspires them, no matter what they want to do with their life, just to follow your dreams. And if you work hard enough, you can accomplish uh, what you want. And to prepare themselves for uh, failure at first. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said, oh, yeah. to persevere over that. Oh, right. Yeah. I always tell them I had over 60 rejections before wow. someone offered me a contract for my trilogy. So um most people aren't going to be like, you know, instant overnight success. So it takes a lot of hard work. Uh, why is reading so important? 
think reading is so important because especially in this day and age, the whole world is so information heavy. Mm. So you really have to be able to comprehend what you read and digest all that information and ask yourself, what does this say? What does this not say? And come to your own conclusions. Um, and the moves that you see in fictional narrative writing, you see those in the argumentative and the informative articles too. And they need to spot all those persuasive techniques that authors are trying to pull on them because they may, there may be some fallacies there too, you know, that they have to be aware of. And so I think it's no matter what you read, it's like the more you read, it's true, the more you know, and you're going to be able to make a lot smarter, informed decisions. Mm -hmm. Look at it with more of a critical eye. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it about reading a great novel that can, you know, transport you to a different different world or just a different mindset sometimes? What is it about that experience that is so rewarding? I think that students, so a lot of my students tell me, I have not read since elementary school. Like I fake read in class, whatever book, you know, they look at spark notes, there's so much out there now. So I think for a lot of them, it's become like a catharsis for them, mm -hmm. that escape. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times people escape in unhealthy ways sometimes. And so reading is a really relaxing activity. Mm -hmm. And I have to train them at the beginning of the year because they always have to be reading a book for pleasure, like that's their only homework for me. And once they finish their bell ringer, they just have a few minutes to read before we move on. And so I train them to always have a book. They take it out. You know, I have hundreds of books in my classroom, so they have plenty to choose from to check out. And it's amazing because they just get it out. You don't have to remind them. They're so engrossed in it. And as I'm trying to move on through my lesson, I feel terrible because I'm like, I need you to put your book away. I'm really happy you're reading, though, but like now we have to move on. And they get so engrossed in it. Mm -hmm. And just a couple weeks ago, I had three girls up by my room. I didn't have them that day, but they're like, Mrs. Ayers, we were all just talking in the hall about we've never read this much in our lives, and it's all thanks to you, and we just thought we should come and tell you that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, thank you so much. That just made my whole year yeah. because that's my goal because – we can teach them, you know, all day long, but we have to instill that love of reading in them so that when they leave our classrooms, they still are going to read and hopefully build that, um, build that habit for mm -hmm. life that yeah. they're readers. Because I really do feel like readers are leaders and, mm -hmm. you know, the best people I know are people who read all the time and are constantly thinking about what they read. It's interesting because I... I, w I won't say I was like the biggest, most prolific reader um, when I was in uh, grade school. Uh, I, I did enjoy reading, uh, you know, probably maybe slightly above average in the number of books that I would read just for pleasure. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, when I went off to college and then for a few years after college, I really wasn't reading a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I found that, you know, after several years went by, I just kind of had a longing it was kind of one day I woke up and I was like, you know what I haven't done in a while? I haven't read a good book. <laughs> yep. And um, so I've started reading a lot more over the past few years. And it is 
a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's impo- I think it's important to read, like you said, a lot and a lot of different maybe genres, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning when you're starting to, you know, figure out what you like. Yes. Because you might read a few books, you know, Pride and Prejudice, it wasn't for me or, you no. know, or whatever, you know, I'm just using that as an example. But um, <laughs> then, but then you might find a, a mystery novel or something that you'd be like, oh, that is my jam, yep. you know. Yeah. Whenever they come to me, I have them fill out a survey the first day of school and on there, it's about what is your favorite TV show? What is your favorite movie? Do you play video games? If so, what's your favorite video game? Because on the back of that is a whole reading survey. Mm. And most of the time, it shows that they haven't read for many years. Um, and they can't really tell me a favorite book or if it was, it was, again, from elementary school. So what I do is I look at what do they like to watch TV? What's their favorite movie? What video game? And then I think of, okay, in that genre, what would they enjoy? Mm. And so at the first time, if they don't already like reading, I pick a book out for them and like, try this one cool. and try to really show them that it's not that you don't like reading. You just haven't found the right book yet. Like yeah. there's a book out there for everyone. I, it's got to be tougher these days for you as an English teacher to try to get kids into a, a love of reading because of the smartphones, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I even find myself when I'm in my bed at night reading a book right. and I've, I still got my phone on the bedside table next to me. Mm-hmm. I'll be in the middle of a chapter and I'll still, you know, for whatever reason, I'll put it down real quick because something popped into my head and I'll grab my phone and I'll Google something mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I'm sure that's a challenge as well with just how addicted everybody these days is to their right. cell phones. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but honestly, once they get into the habit of reading every day, like they truly do the phones away and they're into their book. Mm-hmm. And for, I would say 95% of them, you know, there's always a few kids who fight it. You but almost have to train yourself. Yeah, they just, that's what I told them. Like, cause at first I'll get, well, I can't concentrate for this long. My mind wanders and I'm like, well, it's been a while since you sat for an extended period of time and just read a book. So you have to train your mind, but your mind will catch on and get mm-hmm. used to it. And it's funny because even sometimes when I'll see them on their phone or open up their Chromebook when they're reading, I'll go over and they're actually just Googling something from their book. Like, you know, where is this city or, you know, where they didn't know. So yeah. I'm like, oh, like, so I've tend to give them the benefit of the doubt now because mm-hmm. they, yeah. <laughs> they usually impress me. <laughs> yeah, and half the time that I pick up my phone while I'm reading, it's to, you know, double check something. Is that right. true that I read in a book or something? And yeah. then, um, uh, okay, let's talk about your the novels that you've written. Um, you wrote a, a trilogy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, called 18 Things. 18 Things, yep. 18 Truths and 18 Thoughts. And I read that they're a, uh, it's a coming of age stories, a young mm-hmm. adult romance with a paranormal twist. Is yes. that right? Mm-hmm. So tell us, you know, what are these books kind of about in a nutshell? So in a nutshell, the first one's called 18 Things because the main character loses her best friend from kindergarten, who she also is secretly in love with. She never told him. And this freak accident, and so she's very obviously torn up about this. Um, she swallows a whole bottle of pain pills, kind of not thinking. And mm-hmm. so then her parents force her into counseling, and her counselor suggests she write this life list of 18 things to do that year that she's turning 18 mm-hmm. with the rest of her friends, who refer to as the Jedi Order, because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. <laughs> and um, it's all about her trying to find the will to live again. And then at the end of that book, her therapist reveals this terrifying secret. And so that sets up the next book, 18 Truths, which is all about how 
we tend to lie to those we love because we think we're protecting them, but we're really not. Mm. And so the second book is really paranormal because in the second book, um, the main character actually goes into my own version of the underworld. There's like four planes to my underworld and she's trying to find that best friend that she lost because um, she finds out some information. And then 18 Thoughts is back on earth and um, there's still a paranormal twist to that one. There's someone who can read her mind and she has to figure out why and it's all related to her trip to the underworld and there's angels and demons that play. So definitely gets more paranormal as the series mm. moves on um, because of what the main character discovers. But obviously by the end you have your happy ending. So people tend to be very angry with me at the end of book one and two because... Mm it leaves you hanging. I'm like, no, no, you have to read the whole thing. And then you'll be happy. <laughs> Sounds cool. Hopefully. How, um, and when, when, when did you publish the first one? I published it in 2013. Okay. I started writing in 2009 because um, the year prior, my cousin's son, who was five years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. And it just really tore me up. Like, mm -hmm. I, they live in Michigan, but we had just visited, and he was so full of life, you know, little boys are. And I was like, how can he have leukemia? Mm. And I thought, what can I do to help from here? And in the mail, I got a flyer um, for Team in Training, which is an organization that trains people to run marathons. And in turn, you raise money for um, the Leukemia and Lymphoma um, Association mm. Um, for your marathon. And so I signed up to run the Sarasota Marathon. I raised over, I, th I think around $2,500. So after I ran 26.2 miles, like you feel like I can do anything, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because you never ma imagined that you could do that. Yeah. And so I made a bucket list for myself. Like what else I want? I need to live life to the fullest, you know. Um, I have no excuse. I'm, I don't have cancer, you know, I'm in perfect health. And so at the top of that list was write a book. And so I had been writing the book while I trained for, for the marathon, and then I just kept at it. And like I said, it took years. It wasn't until 2013 that I had my first book published. You said you, you started writing it in 06, is that what you said? Um, 2009. 2009, okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, li you know, I've heard uh, you know, how uh, grueling of a process writing a, a book can be from, mm -hmm. from other authors. What was your, uh, what was your process like? Did you lock yourself in a room for hours <laughs> on end every single day until you, you know, banged out a bunch of pages or how, what was your process like? So at first I was just writing at night. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this is, is nice that you have kind of summers off as a, <laughs> as a teacher, you know, I use that Put loosely. That yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that I don't really have my summers off very much now that I teach high school, but back then I had more time and my daughters are finally at an age where they could keep themselves busy. Um, cause they were nine and six. And so they were kind of just playing together. And so before I was like a cruise director every day, all day, every summer, you know, with their activities, but I could take more time during the day too. Mm -hmm. And then I would stay up kind of almost all night, like typing in my room as mm -hmm. well. Um, get a few hours of sleep and the words actually usually come to me very easily. The actual mm. writing down of the story, mm. I can usually finish the novel within that two month span of time in the summer. Mm. But of course, 
it's complete crap at that point. You know, I always tell my students, it's like word vomit. You know, yeah. you just kind of vomit the words on the page. Just get your thoughts down. That's mm -hmm. the most important part because then you can make it shiny later. Yeah. And so then you spend, you know, the better part of a year trying to go through edits mm -hmm. and uh, edit, revise. And um, do you, sorry, do you, do you, do you outline at all beforehand or you just write and go? I am not, which I know is terrible to say as an English teacher because we always have our, our <laughs> students plan. But I always, I don't really necessarily know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I, I know it sounds weird, but yeah. the characters kind of speak to in your head. Yeah. It's kind of like the only profession that where it's acceptable to hear voices in your head. <laughs> and so I just kind of get down what, you know, is happening up in my head. And then after I finish that, then I actually do an outline. Mm, I have like okay. a three-page outline where I fill in um, the internal conflicts, the external conflicts, mm -hmm. the character descriptions for all the main characters so I don't forget like, you know, this person's eyes are blue and mm -hmm. this person's hair is brown. Mm -hmm. And then I have um, 30 scenes where I fill in the setting and um, what's happening, what's the conflict, so that I make sure that my story is flowing correctly where I don't have too much, you know, slow time and the pacing is okay. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've published the, the three. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any plans for future books or? I'm not sure. I've no. written other books, but honestly, the publishing process is so grueling. Um, so the thought of trying to get another contract yeah. and then <laughs> once you get the contract, you have to do so much self-promotion that it, mm. That part is really hard for most It's tough when you are, already have a full-time job. Exactly. Mm. And so um, now that I teach high school, I mean, I've taught every grade from first through 10th now. And I've always loved teaching. But truly, when I get to high school, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, doing mm. with my life. <laughs> so I guess I don't crave that um, outlet as much as I did before. As I get to be so creative with my high schoolers because they're, you know, older, they're like mini adults. But mm -hmm. I still journal and I still have those books that I wrote. So maybe one day I'll I'll try or just toss them up on Amazon and yeah. donate the funds to a charity or something. I mm -hmm. don't know. Because I don't really care about um, making the money part. Sure. For mo a lot of people, they're trying to publish a certain number of books so they can do that for the rest of their mm -hmm. life. I really just wanted to prove it to myself and to my daughters that, like, if you work hard enough, then you can accomplish your goals. And so I did that. <laughs> Very cool. What, in your opinion, what makes a good story? I think that the characters have to be relatable. So even with Harry Potter, you know, it's my favorite book series. And it's this whole fantasy realm. You know, it's so whimsical. And no matter how fantasized it is, there's still all these characters that we can relate to. And so I think that's just the most important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'd have to, I think any, any great book I've ever read or great movie that I've seen, it's the characters that mm -hmm. stand out more than anything. And, you know, it could be a really cool and interesting plot, but if the characters are dull and, right. you know, you're not... You're not rooting for anybody in particular, you know. Right. You and even if they're a terrible characters, sometimes, like, look at how the Joker, you know, the actor, he just won Best uh, mm -hmm. Supporting Actor yeah, at the Joaquin Oscars. Phoenix, like, yeah. he did amazing, you mm -hmm. know. So it doesn't have to be this, you know, 
we just, I just discussed it with my students because I was like, our protagonist, flawless, and I had a lot of yeses. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, you want that flawed character. Think of yeah. the Avengers. Like, even the Avengers, even Captain America, who seems so perfect, he is not perfect. He has flaws. You have to give them flaws so people can relate to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his flaw is that he's too perfect, I think. It is. because <laughs> We talked about how he's stuck in his ways because he's from a former yeah. time, and so he's not willing to sacrifice anything you know, for the team or for the greater good. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like sometimes there's injustice in the world and not all laws are just and you have to go against yeah. them. Well, and, you know, as human beings, we relate to other human beings and mm -hmm. nobody's perfect. We, yep. all, we all have flaws. So when you read about a character or see them on the screen who's mm -hmm. perfect, they're just uninteresting because right. they're like, not believable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of helps me segue into... Um, the, the final five questions. Okay. Are you ready to move on to that? Or yeah. Is there anything else about LitFest or you know reading or books in general that you want to talk about? I think you covered yeah. it pretty well. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, fourth annual Cape LitFest, April seventeenth. Um, you know, it's not open to the, the public, but uh, it, you it's know, just... not. But that's something that I do hope is open to the public one day. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how that would work if we'd have to move it to after school or yeah. a weekend or something. Mm. I think it would be fun. Um, to do something with the public. Um, but yeah, we get the community involved because actually SAG Club joined us this year with making it more of like a whole community festival for the outdoor portion. So we're going to have um, firefighters with their fire truck. Um, I think the dare car or something. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have the public library uh, with information about their summer reading program and okay, getting cool. cards. I um, think you had food trucks and stuff? Yeah, we had um, Chick-fil-A comes, so really chili treats. So yeah, there's food, there's games, mm -hmm. there's door prizes with the scavenger hunt. So there's a lot of things going on. So I think it's something that the it would be really cool if we could keep it during the school day and bus some other students in from other Cape Coral schools oh, yeah. like to actually, that's why I had named it Cape Literacy Festival because in case it got bigger than Instead the actual school. just like Cape school. Coral High School. Mm -hmm. professor. Well, if anybody is listening to this who you know might be interested in, in uh, joining or participating next year, what's, yeah, what's sure. how can they reach out to you? Um, email mm -hmm. would be the easiest way. Okay. So Jamie, J-A-M-I-E-M-A -E -E at leastschools.net. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, Jamie, uh, so I'm interested in this answer. It's probably, I'm guessing maybe tough for you to narrow it down to one. So you can give me, you can give me okay. a few of your favorites if you want, but mm -hmm. what is your, what's your favorite book? Okay, so I don't know if I can pick one favorite Harry Potter book, but I love the whole series. I would say Prisoner of Azkaban and the Half-Blood Prince are really high. As, That's funny. Yeah. Those are my two favorites. Yeah. Too. yeah. <laughs> They're so good. It yeah. like blew me away. Um, I think that was the first time where I read a series and I just really thought about how far in advance that author had to plot out all these twists and keep everything consistent. And I was like mm. blown away by that. Um, as far as school-wide, I think my favorite book to teach is A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khalid Hosseini, which is set in Afghanistan. It has a dual point of view with two different girls from different generations who kind of get thrown together. And it follows the revolution there from the 70s to after 9-11, and it's just really well done. And it really opens the students' eyes to different culture mm -hmm. and really how good they have it. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay. Um, and, you know, like you said, this relates to books as well, because um, 
you mentioned that you have students, you ask them what their favorite video games or mm-hmm. TV shows or movies are, and that can help you steer them maybe to a, a genre of books that they like. But so what I'm interested, what is your favorite movie and or TV show? So still sticking with Harry Potter for movie-wise. I, I really? can watch those movies all day long. Ah. I watch them usually almost every weekend while I grade papers because it's something to throw on in the background where I don't get too distracted, but I still enjoy TV show, I love Gilmore Girls because I love how quick-witted the dialogue is in Gilmore Girls, and it's so funny, and like, no matter how many times I watch it, it's still funny to me. But current TV show, I really like um, This Is Us. I had a feeling you were going to say that. (laughs) Um, Well, you mentioned Star Wars earlier. What's your favorite Mm -hmm. Star Wars movie? Um, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Did you like any of the newer ones? I did. Yeah, Yeah. I still love the newer ones. Um, I know I'm not probably in the majority where I actually loved all three of the newer ones. Mm. A lot of people either liked one and three and hated the middle one or See, loved the middle I, one. I thought they got progressively... Well, I don't know if I even want to say that. There, are, I really liked Force Awakens, and mm-hmm. I actually really liked Last Jedi. I had issues with it, but mm-hmm. I, I hated Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a big fangirl and like yeah. they can do no wrong, but... They can do wrong because I did not enjoy the prequels at all. Mm. Like I liked the lightsaber fights, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was just I felt like it was like a magician revealing his tricks to the audience. I'm well, like, yeah. I don't need to know about Metaclorian count, and like it yeah. explained too much to me. It lost some of its magic. Too much CGI. Yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> okay, what's your favorite song, or who is your favorite musical artist? Um, so favorite song, I'm gonna have to go with. Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, just because it was my wedding song 22 years ago, so that never gets old. Um, favorite band, though, would be Beatles. Like, I can always put them on and just relax. I like them. What's your favorite Beatles song? All You Need Is Love, because mm. that's just, like, the theme of life. <laughs> I like Here Comes the Sun. Yeah, that's a good one, too. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. English, favorite subject in school yes. growing up? Yep, obviously. I know, big, <laughs> big plot twist there. <laughs> Did you always, I mean, from... Kindergarten on, it was your favorite? I don't know if you teach English in um, kindergarten, but... Yeah, I think it's, it's reading and spelling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was actually my second grade teacher at Pelican Elementary. Oh, I um, went to Pelican. Yeah, Mrs. Davis. I don't know if you had her. Shout out to Mrs. Davis. I don't think so. So I had moved schools a lot, kindergarten, first, second, and I came to Pelican March of my second grade year, and I was actually... You're from Michigan, right? Mm-hmm, from so Michigan you moved, originally. you moved here when you were young. We moved here midway through my kindergarten year, and then lots of stuff happened. I just kept switching schools, mm. and my whole world was kind of falling apart, and I just didn't really care about school. Mm. And I remember my mom pulling me aside and telling me, you're going to fail second grade. And I was, like, jump roping on the porch, and I was like okay. Like, I didn't care at all. Like, Mm. that was the least of my worries at that age (laughs) with everything going Mm. on. And so then we moved to Cape Coral um, from Fort Myers, and I enrolled at Pelican. And Mrs. Davis, from day one, like, kept me in from recess and was working with me. And I remember after, she kept giving me books to take home. And um, I remember after two weeks, she called home. And usually when teachers called home, it was a bad thing. Like, I was not a great child at the time. And my mom answered, and she was like, hello, Mrs. Davis, and giving me this look. And I'm like, oh, man, I've been really good. Why is Mrs. Davis uh-huh. calling? And then it was just a lot of uh-huh. 
okay, yes. And so when my mom got off, she's like, well, that was Mrs. Davis, your teacher. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, she just wanted to say that you are an amazing student and that you're all caught up and she has no idea why they thought you had to fail second grade. Oh. And so I just like was beaming as you can imagine. And so from that day on, I just love school. I love to read. She also got, uh, got me into writing. And so, but reading and writing was definitely always my jam. Like just helped me to relax and escape to another world and, you know, yeah. get out your feelings when you felt like you couldn't say certain things. Wow. Just goes to show that Sometimes it just takes one teacher oh, that absolutely. can make a big difference. Yep, and that was consistent throughout the rest of my school time. You know, I went to Gulf Middle, I went to Cape Coral High School, and I always had a teacher who just really took the extra time and cared, and so I try to be that teacher now. Awesome. Okay, final question. Uh, if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? This was so easy. Yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ah, Hamilton. <laughs> yes, Hamilton. He is a creative genius, and I feel like he's a prophet for our time. I yeah. mean, he was really, Hamilton was this watershed moment in this cultural revolution in our country that sparked so many different things, and he's done a lot of other things, too, in the Heights that show. Hamilton, the person was a, or the, the, the musical was the a musical. watershed? The oh, okay. musical, yeah, the musical. What, what about it that you, I haven't seen it. Um, okay, so, oh, you missed out. I know, I will. I, I plan to eventually. <laughs> I heard they're... Um, they're touring. Gonna be, they're going to they're gonna release a movie version. Yes, they are. Which I'd rather are. see it live. In October, but, okay, yes. Yeah. So now everyone who said, I saw Hamilton with the original cast, we can all brag and say we technically did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it with the original cast. But um, I think just to imagine the whole story of our founding fathers with people of color mm. and then... So he based it on this biography of Hamilton by Ron Chernow, which I've read, and it's like massive. I want to say it's like 800 pages, you know, like Harry Potter book. Mm -hmm. And for someone to have read that and thought, I'm going to make this a musical, yeah. reimagining with people of color as their founding fathers, and have this be hip hop and rap, like my mind is blown. Like, I don't know how he came up with it. Um, his other play in the Heights is also really well, and that's going to come out as a movie version soon. Not a play. It's like they actually made it into a movie, mm. and it has to do with a lot of pertinent issues right now with our dreamers and everything else. Mm. And so, um, I don't know, he's done so much. He's so done. He, he created and, and wrote mm -hmm. the music. He musical. wrote it mm. and, yeah, created and did the music and starred in it. Mm. And he's just, I mean, now you see so many lines from that. Um, play Hamilton on um, signs where people are protesting, you know, and like mm. it's just caused this whole revolution. It's mm. amazing. And what it's done for the arts, you know, getting people to go see plays again. Yeah. And it, I think it's just as a creative person, like I'm just in awe of it because he's around my same age. Mm. And I'm like, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> this is amazing. Well, you've written three books. <laughs> yeah, but I'm no Lynn Manuel Miranda. So <laughs> I would love to sit down, have dinner with him, and just pick his brain. Yeah. And, Seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And he does. I know he does a lot of uh, charity work and stuff. Does a too. ton yeah, of charity yeah. work, and I follow him on Twitter, and he's hilarious, and yeah, really sweet. Uh, okay. All right. Jamie Ayers, English teacher and published author, uh, Cape Coral High School. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was thank a lot of fun. you so much for having me. It was fun. You're welcome. All right, and thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>